Well, welcome everyone to the Resilient Leadership Podcast, where everything we talk about is aimed at helping you lead with a greater sense of calm, clarity, and conviction, even in anxious times. My name is Irvin Nugent, and today, as always, I'm joined by my co-host and collaborator, Bridget Tyre. Bridget, how are you doing today? Well, Irvin, thank you for asking. As always, I'm doing well. Uh, You and I were just I don't know, maybe complaining a little bit about winter because we we don't like it, but hey, it is what it is. And we are recording in January, so it's cold and it's gray and that's the way it is. So other than that, I have no complaints and I'm really looking forward to having this, this great conversation. So why don't you tee it up for our listeners a bit and give them a little sense of what we're talking about? Absolutely. Today's topic is called, How Well Do You Know Your Emotions? So emotions are an essential part of being human. I I think if we ask people, you know, what is unique about being human? A lot of people would mention, well, we are emotional beings. And it's an essential skill, I think, both to thrive and survive, not only as a leader, but as a parent, as a partner, as a friend, as a human being. And this skill set of both recognizing our own emotions, recognizing other people's emotions, and really managing them in the moment. And, you know, I I believe, and I think you believe as well, you know, leadership is many things. But I think at the core of leadership are daily conversations. And these conversations we have with people, in fact, you wrote a book called Missing Conversations. And really, those conversations are laced with emotions, both at the beginning and at the end. Now, the other reality is we have grown up with a language about emotions. We've grown up in cultures and families, and they had their own attitudes about emotions. You know, Some of us were told that emotions were bad or negative, or some emotions were bad or negative, uh, like anger or jealousy or something like that. Today, I think I want us to have an approach where we look at emotions as our friends. Hmm. And we mentioned this in an earlier episode. They are conveyors of information. Mm-hmm. And they are messages knocking at the door, wanting to be heard. So, hmm. Bridget, when you think about emotions and how you grew up with emotions and how they were dealt with, what comes to mind? Well, it's such a great question. I think what comes to mind for me, Irvin, is that Growing up, some emotions were more acceptable than others. Mm. And of course, that was an implicit message. It's not like my parents sat me down and said, now here are the emotions that are okay, and here are the ones that are not. But I nevertheless sort of got those messages. And as I look back, I think anger was an emotion that, for me at least, I was the only girl in a family of four, so three brothers. Yeah. They could be angry and my father could be angry, but apparently I was not supposed to be. (laughs) So I kind of grew up with this weird, I don't know, relationship with anger. And then the other thing I remember is around feeling scared and vulnerable. I remember Mm. my mom was a very, very much like a bucket up, like, you know, just keep going. And when I, on a few occasions, I remember being scared and vulnerable she didn't really acknowledge that. She kind of wanted me to move quickly through it. Mm. And to this day, I think I have still a little bit of a challenge around acknowledging my own fears and vulnerabilities. Maybe because that shaping is still there a little bit. Although, 
you know, I've been working on it. So yeah. that's what came up for me. Yeah. yeah. How about you? You know, it's interesting. I can relate to that second one. I grew up, many people know, in, in Northern Ireland in the midst of the Troubles, as we call them. You know, an emotion that was pretty much there. Everyone knew, everyone had it. But amazingly, it was unacceptable to really talk about was fear. That here wow. we were in a situation of conflict and bombings, etc. So, of course, everyone was scared at times. And yeah. yet we never talked about it. It was we grin, we bear it, we we marched on. And I think that has been a legacy I carry that that at times, you know, it has been tough for me to acknowledge fear and to express fear. So mm. yeah. And it's interesting, you know, when you think about, you know, our inheritance of the of of how we deal with emotions and it it's there and it's important, I think, just to reflect upon. In fact, I invite our listeners, you know, kind of what's the message you receive around emotions? Oh, for sure, because we always do. You know, as you said, it's a, a part of our humanity. And our parents received messages from their parents about emotions. And so there we go. And what we know is, you know, the brain, the neuroplasticity of the brain is impressive. Mm, and so if yeah, we yeah. want to, we, we can change our relationship and our behavior around certain emotions, although it takes a lot of practice to do yeah. that. You know? All right. But I'm getting ahead of ourselves, I think, because let's let's start with the basics around defining what an emotion is, because of course, everybody's like, oh, I know what an emotion is, but how would you define it, Irvin, or what definition do you find most helpful? Yeah, you know, it's such a great question, because sometimes when I'm doing like uh, training sessions, I'll say, what is an emotion? Everyone like, I know what it is, but I can't really explain it. So there's one that I found now, it's a little dense, I'm going to warn people, but I love it because I think it's really powerful. And it's from a person called Dr. Paul Ekman. And Paul Ekman really was the grandfather of research around emotions and, and, and really has advanced our knowledge of emotions. And he says an emotion is a process, a particular kind of automatic appraisal that's influenced by our evolutionary and personal past in which we sense that something important to our welfare is occurring and a set of physiological and psychological changes begin to deal with the situation. Mm. Oh, that's long. Okay. <laughs> that's break that up a little bit because it really is. So first of all, it's a process. Emotions, what, emotions are not static. They are moving. That's what I love about that. It's a process. And mm. it's this automatic appraisal. So we mentioned this before. We, we, we have what's almost like this radar. We're constantly on alert around us. So we are appraising whether we know it or not. And most of the times we are not aware that we are appraising every situation. And that's influenced both by evolution and by our personal past. So as human beings, the, the, we've said this before, the impetus is always to survive. And so we're scanning around and our evolution has taught us what threats are and our own personal past. You know, we've experienced growing up. Like I, I still think, you know, when I, I, I mentioned Northern Ireland, when I, when I hear a siren you know, it triggers something within me. So it's my personal messaging going on that, oh, yeah. it gets me triggered a little bit. So our, our personal past, our evolutionary past, and we sense that something important to our welfare is occurring. Yeah. So emotions are about our welfare. It's about helping us. It's about responding. That's why emotions are so essential in our humanity. Mm. They're 
responses. And what they do is they trigger within us a psychological or a physiological response that helps us, moves us, helps us deal with the situation. So when you think about it, you know, our heart starts beating, we prepare because sometimes we may have to fight or flee or you know, we, we need more information. So all of this, the, the information is helping us prepare to respond. Mm. So I think, you know, Bridget, there's a lot of important consequences coming from that definition about what an emotion is and what an emotion is not. What comes to mind for you? Well, I really uh, gravitated towards the thing that you said about it is related to something important is happening regarding our welfare. Mm. So aren't we glad we have emotions? (laughs) It's all about taking care of our welfare. But one thing that stands out to me is that emotions have context. They they don't just show up out of the blue for no reason. There's a stimulus. There's a trigger. And that stimulus can be an actual stimulus. It can be an imagined one. It can be Mm -hmm. something you relive, but there's always some kind of a stimulus. So like an actual stimulus might be like after, you know, the holidays, maybe you were packing up your ornaments and putting them in the attic. And when you did a mouse crawled out and surprised you, you that would be my reaction. (laughs) And I would have fear. I would have an intense automatic fear that, you know, hopefully would, would move through me pretty quickly. So that's an actual stimulus. Sometimes it's an imagined stimulus, like, you know, we hear a noise in the middle of the night and we, we, we think it's an intruder and the emotion of fear again, uh, and anxiety enters in and we find out, oh no, it was just a noise. And, you know, but the point is it was still a stimulus and then it can be relived. And, and this is a lovely thing about emotions, right? Is that they, they have history and memory for us. So mm-hmm. you're driving by a restaurant and suddenly you smile and this warmth envelops you as you recall a surprise party that was had at the restaurant for a dear friend. And just the loveliness of it, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so that's kind of interesting to me. And then the the other thing is to, you know, really understand that emotions have this automatic process that you said that's organized and predictable, and we don't have anything to do with it. It it just happens in our body, right? Yeah. And and it's a physiological and a psychological process. So like. It's for a lot of people, they recently had end of the year performance evaluation conversations. Mm. If you were on the giving end or the receiving end, either way, (laughs) you might have had some trepidation. Um, So you go in a little bit, maybe on edge, maybe, maybe not. And uh, and then your let's say your boss says to you, well, I've got some unfortunate news to share with you. And before he says anything else, you're in the grip of a powerful emotional response. You know, your heart starts beating, your breath becomes shallow, maybe even your hands get a little clammy, right? So emotions are triggered by events, by stimulus, and they are an automatic response that alerts us that, hey, something important is happening to your welfare. Yeah. All right, so, so that's what you know, stood out to me. What what else is important to say about emotions, Urban? You know, one thing I'll say as well is that emotions are very rapid. You know, really the quickest emotion that we kind of know is surprise, not not surprising there. You know, you walk in and go, 
oh, and surprise. And that's really about half a second. And the longest emotion is sadness. Not surprising as well, because, you know, the sadness kind of lingers with us. Mm -hmm. Even when you think about sadness, there's a heaviness with you. However, sadness, the true emotion, is really only about, about four seconds. Now, what happens, of course, is the release of all these chemicals, and they linger in the body. And they linger a lot longer. So we we get the sense that the emotion is much longer than it actually really is. Now, you know, some people will say, you know, like, how are you doing today? Oh, I've just been angry all day. And you think about, you know, well, you got, wow, that's a long emotion. And really what's happening there when you think about it is that really it wasn't that the emotion lasted all day. Rather, whatever made them angry, they keep thinking about it. And so they keep re-triggering the anger. And so the impression is, hey, I've been angry all day, but really I've been thinking about that initial stimulus. And every time I think about it, I just get, I get angry again. Wow. And then, you know, that also then reminds us, I think we should distinguish between an an emotion and a mood. Now, I don't know about you, but (laughs) on January the 2nd, I woke up, I just returned from vacation and I was in a lousy mood and I said, And, you know, it's, and I think we can all relate. We've got a lethargic mood or this. And what's the difference between a mood and uh, is that an emotion? And it's not. I think one of the things that distinguishes an emotion and a mood is that stimulus. In an emotion, there's a very definite stimulus. We know exactly where it came from. Whereas a mood, it's kind of like, oh, I don't know. Is it this? It's the other. Is it the lie? I just, and it's this general, and it doesn't really feel as intense as a an, an emotion and it lasts much longer it can last over time in fact uh, one of the researchers looking at you know an emo- uh, an a mood that lasts like a significant length of time can almost become a personality trait as well office oh, so yeah. really interesting have you gotten so, out of your lousy mood from january 7th I have. it took me I, I gotta confess now it did not happen overnight it, i it probably took three or four days and then i was like oh Okay, now, now I'm ready. Now I'm ready. So, Bridget, we talked about, you know, this attitude of moving away from calling emotions good or bad, but rather, you know, embracing our emotional lives and befriending them. I'm curious, you know, any thoughts about how we might begin to befriend our emotions? Well, that's such a good phrase, you know, befriend our emotions, because I don't think that's what most of us were taught as youngsters, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it begins with, first of all, just acknowledging that emotions are part of our human experience. I notice that when I ask my clients sometimes, what, what is the emotion that is present? Sometimes they have a hard time acknowledging it. It's obvious that there's, there's emotion there, but they, they want to tamp it down or they want to, or they tell me how they think not Mm -hmm. how they're feeling. But then I think back to what you said about emotions being conveyors of information about our welfare, that remembering that there's a purpose to emotions, right? Mm -hmm. And and so we want to welcome them and be curious because they're trying to tell us something. I think that's pretty cool, right? All right. So let's go through some of the emotions we're all familiar with and like, what is the, what's the message so let's start with anger, because as I said earlier, that was one that I always sort of have had a, a held at distance, you know, mm. but anger is really almost always triggered by the desire to remove an obstacle that's in our way. 
And particularly when we are feeling violated around a value that we hold very dearly. So it's intense, right? A lot of times anger is intense. Yeah. And the intensity can get us into trouble, but the anger itself is simply there saying something is in your way and you might need to remove it. (laughs) Right? Might. Yeah. And then there's fear. We've kind of already talked about. So fear is there to say there might be something harmful in your midst. And you might need to fight or flee. Happiness. What about happiness? What's the message of happiness? You know, that's like telling us that that there's something very wonderful and pleasurable happening, and there's a warmth to it. And it it's really there to say, be here and engage with this, with Mm -hmm. this moment, you know? And then sadness. I found it fascinating when you were talking earlier, Irvin, about how long the actual emotion lasts and that sadness is one of the longer ones. Did I hear that correctly? Yes. Yeah. And that makes sense. Sadness tells us what matters to us. Mm. It's a, it's a feeling associated with loss of something or someone that we care about Mm. and it prepares us to grieve. Yeah. How about disgust? I just the other day I heard myself saying, well, that's disgusting. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's that's intense. <laughs> yeah. But but hey, disgust is there because it tells us that something physically or morally offensive, right, is yeah. is in our presence and we're getting prepared to withdraw from it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you mentioned surprise, Irvin. And, you know, the message of surprise is, is letting us know, hey, you weren't expecting this. This mm-hmm. was not what you were predicting. Be alert, right? Maybe it's a good surprise. Maybe it's a bad surprise. Yeah. So all that is such great information. Why would we want to do anything other than uh, welcome it and be curious about it, you know? So what do you think, Irvin? And and tell us a little bit about how you, because this is one of the things that you're really an expert in, how you use this kind of understanding of emotions to help your clients. Yeah, you know, I I love this aspect of really doubling down and exploring the message. You know, it's interesting. One of the things we haven't mentioned so far, but it's, it's, you know, is that sometimes emotions are layered. So sometimes, you know, we, we, we don't just experience, oh, I'm in happiness and now I'm moving to this and I'm moving to that. So sometimes it's, it's a blended emotion and we're feeling them together. And I think for sometimes for clients, helping them unpack and get to the message that the, the, the real core emotion and the message can be very freeing. So for example, I'm recalling a client I was working with recently who for the second time did not receive a promotion that they were expecting. Mm. And the emotion that showed up or, or, or that they like, you know, and I said, well, you know, how does that impact you? And what are you feeling? I said, I'm angry and, and I'm resentful, you know? And I said, so, so what, and, and the anger was pointed at a person and you know, kind of when we've explored that a little bit, they were able, you know, when we talked about anger being an obstacle that needs to be removed, they mm. blamed it focusing on this one person who they believed was the obstacle to that promotion. So that was very freeing for them. But then when, whenever that had been respect, uh, kind of explored, one of the things then that came in was this underlying sadness. And I think very often in the workplace, sadness is an emotion that is not acknowledged. 
and I think, you know, and I was almost, he was uncomfortable saying he was sad. And he said, I just don't know what I'm sad about. And I said, yeah. well, you know, the message of sadness is loss. So mm-hmm. what if, and then it was like, it was almost like a light went off. And he said, yeah, there's so much loss in this. Mm-hmm. There's the loss of my hope. There's the loss yes. of the imagining of the, what I was going to tell everyone and the excitement about the promotion. And so that, that ability to kind of explore the loss just really enabled them to understand, you know, the impact of what had happened and just to sit with it and, you know, spend some time and acknowledge the fact that the emotions were right and they were okay to have, and they were able to release them in time. Mm. That's a great example. I'm curious, Irv, when he was exploring anger and, and it, you helped him see that he was focusing on this one person who was the obstacle. But in that exploration, was he able to see, oh, well, maybe it's really not all about that person? Or yes. what? Yeah. Yeah. It? yeah. It was very, you know, what was very interesting. And one of the things that happens with emotions, when we feel a tense emotion, the only data that we're willing to receive when we're in the midst of it is anything that confirms our thinking. So for him, the only, you know, and kind of as we worked through that, it was like, oh yeah, they, I've just been, I've been fixated. The only thing that, that I'm accepting is everything that confirms my bias here, that this is the obstacle, this person is the obstacle. And he said, you know, there's a lot of things. And I think that mm. is only possible at times when we've moved out of the emotion and we can look back yeah. Um, it's hard in the midst of the emotion. It's, it's very oh, yeah. skilled to be able to kind of, you know, say, well, what other data kind of, but sometimes when we look back, we can really see, ah, oh, okay. I was only really accepting anything that confirmed what I thought was right. Interesting. But somehow, well, you, I'm sure listened and affirmed his emotion. You didn't try to talk him out of it. And I think what no. you're saying is that doesn't work. Like it doesn't yeah. work to talk somebody out of an emotion or to talk yourself out of it. But if you can embrace it and befriend it, sometimes there is a movement there, right? That allows you to go, oh, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, the important thing is to receive the message, to sit with it, to understand it. You don't have to accept the message. The message is there because what you're doing is you're, you're saying about the message is, you know, well, well, is this, this really confirming reality or not? You know, sometimes it's like these, sometimes we have emotions that are not accurate. Um, we perceive something's happening. We said that at the beginning. And so therefore it's, it's bringing more light into the situation and saying, ah, oh, okay. I was angry there. Yes. I was, my anger was justified, but really the focus of my anger might not have been. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Well, when I think about my clients, cause now that you mentioned your client experience, it brought to mind a couple of things for me. I mean, one is I think I often may be one of the few people in my client's orbit, at least professionally, that gives them permission to feel mm-hmm. whatever they're feeling, you know, without mm-hmm. judgment. Yeah. I don't think other people are always so skilled at that. So I think it's really helpful to our listeners to say, you know, the important people in your life, whether it's family members or, or people on your team, to give people permission to experience the emotions they have without having to talk them out of it is a huge gift. Yeah. I think the other thing is, Irvin, you mentioned that distinction a little bit ago about mood versus emotion and how Mm -hmm. moods are longer in, in time and they're more in the backdrop. 
I think that's a distinction that can really be helpful. I remember one time I was working with a client and, you know, through the coaching, we sort of identified that he was in a mood of resentment Mm. and he had a whole story around that resentment, Mm. but he was also interviewing for a new job. And I said, well, you're interviewing, you know, do you think your resentment might be showing up? Oh no, I don't bring that into my interviews. And I said, okay, well, what do you think you'll need to let go of your resentment? And he said, when I get another job. And Mm. I said, what if it's the other way around? Mm. You know, what if letting go of your resentment is going to be the thing that helps you get the job? Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So gosh, we've, we've already covered a lot of ground and I feel like I've, I've learned something in this conversation about how important emotions are because they're about our welfare Mm. and they're there to bring important messages to us. And our job is to befriend them and be curious about them. What can we do now, maybe, Irvin, to put this all together for our listeners in an actionable way? Yeah, you know, so the way I like to say it is, you know, there's four steps. Sometimes we, if we're skilled, we can do this in the moment. Most of the time, it's always a good exercise Especially when, say, we have gone through a situation where we wished we had responded differently. And it's a great way to reflect on that situation and to learn because that really becoming more skilled in our emotions is really about shining light on experiences and learning from them. So the first one, first is notice. While we've talked about this in numerous episodes, it is amazing in the world and environment we live in in this one of constant change and busyness, that at times we forget to notice what's happening in our bodies. And so can we have more noticing changes and tension in our heart and our breathing and our body temperature? All of those, you know, emotions we've talked about are so quick that they show up in our body even before we're consciously aware that we're in the midst of that emotion. So it's always nice, like, oh, what's what's happening? Oh, something's happening. Oh, so notice, notice um, your environment, notice your body, notice other people you're with. And then the second one is name. You know, the research has shown that when we're able to name an emotion, we are more able to manage that emotion and to deal with that emotion. In fact, one of the skills that is really important for children and their education is that naming of an emotion. So are we able to name what is this emotion? And, and if we're just able to say, well, it's just anger, that's okay. And then are we able to say what intensity? And sometimes, you know, we have a word for that intense. I'm furious, I'm livid, or we don't have a word for it. Oh, well, it's a level nine or a level 10 anger, you know? So are we able to, to name the intensity? The last part of that second one is accept the emotion. Mm. This is where it gets, we get into trouble. It's like, I shouldn't be feeling that. I mean, I've, I've heard this before. I shouldn't be feeling this angry. No, their anger is there. Accept it. Okay, I feel it. It's, it I'm not the anger. The anger is just there. And then the third one is a message. What's the message that this emotion is saying to you about this present situation that you're in? Mm. And then finally is action. What's the best action to take? I have a goal. What's the goal of my conversation? What's the goal of the situation? And how might I best respond? So it's notice, name, message, and action. Mm. That's good stuff. But like you said, that is hard to do in the moment, right? Especially with an intense emotion. Yep. 
Because I think sometimes we feel like our emotions are going to take us over and we're like, oh, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking, Irvin, that, you know, rather than giving people, because we always end with the core practice and rather than giving people another practice, that is our core practice. Yeah, absolutely. There's four steps. And maybe though the practice is what you said, which is not trying to do that in the moment, but to pick a conversation or an instance maybe that you've had in the last month, hey, it was the holidays, we probably had them, (laughs) where there was a little friction or maybe a conversation that didn't go exactly how you planned. And there were some intense emotions experienced. And to take that and then use those four steps to learn from it, you know? Mm. So I'm thinking of, I had a conversation on my birthday with a loved one and it didn't go as planned. It got a little, a little emotional, a little intense. And I'm really curious about that. And I, as I was listening to you, I'm like, I'm going to use these steps. I'm going to, I'm going to start with what, what did I notice? Now I'm noticing in hindsight, what did I notice was going on with me inside of me and with the other person? And can I name the emotion or emotions that I was feeling? And can I maybe take a shot at naming what the other person was feeling? And what was the message of those emotions? And then that last thing, you know, the action, what action did I take? And might there have been a different action? Yeah, I'm going to use that. So thank you, Urban. My pleasure. Well, I've really enjoyed this situation. I love talking about emotions and we've explored, you know, how essential they are to our humanity. We've gone through a little definition. And from that, we've um, highlighted, you know, emotions are a process. They correspond to our background or personal experience, reflects upon that. They move us to action. And they're there really because something significant to our welfare is present. And we've gone through this four-step process. So hopefully everyone is leaving this episode with a little more curiosity about their emotions. And hopefully you can make some good friends. It's a new year. Maybe 2024 will be the year of making friends with with some of your emotions. And uh, as always, we want to thank you for listening. I was just looking at some of the listening charts this past week, and we hit the charts Norway and um, Cyprus. So if you're listening from Norway or Cyprus, thanks for listening in. And we continue to be in the top 50 of the US podcast as well. And so we just want to thank you for your support. We're thrilled of the many messages of support that we've got that uh, these conversations are meaningful for you. As always, if you have suggestions, please, please reach out. We're always open to suggestions. We want to be as relevant as possible for you. And Bridget, thank you once again for another wonderful conversation. Thank you, Irvin. I learned something new. I do every time and so appreciate it. And uh, look forward to our listeners joining us for next time. And our topic for next time we've actually chosen, which is the art and science of failing forward. Mm, So we look forward to that one as well. Yeah. All right. Take care. Well, thank you, everyone. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.